Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you again today. Uh, here with my good friend and, and uh, office neighbor, uh, Brother Rob Diebel. Brother Diebel, welcome back. Thank you, my friend. Good, good to be with you. Good to have you. We're, yeah. uh, I'm excited about what we're about to do. Um, we are in the book of Revelation still, um, but, but I've asked Brother Diebel, uh, because I respect his studious nature so much, uh, to take us through the book of Revelation as we're looking primarily for the second coming and, and what's going to happen uh, after that and during that kind of wrapping up events. Um, and have actually asked him to cover two different uh, lesson weeks here. So Brother Diebel is going to be this week covering uh, chapter 6 through 14, and then next week, uh, chapter 15 through 22. So thank you for taking double duty. Yeah, glad to. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can maybe thank me after we're done with this. But, um, well, you and I have had enough conversation. Yeah. I know it's going to be a great conversation, and, and you'll have a lot to, to offer that's new and, and thought-provoking, and I appreciate that about you. Oh, I hope so. Um, before we jump in, you've, anything new in your life? You've been traveling. You've got grandkids. You've got uh, well, yeah. Th that's about what um, next week, next Thursday, we're gonna head down to Utah. My uh, oldest daughter is gonna give birth to our uh, her second and our hey. and our her second daughter, our second grandchild. Good for you. And so we're stoked about that. We'll be down there the, the whole week of Thanksgiving, and uh, and then in March, our first grandson, our third grandchild, and third and first grandson will be born. So crazy, crazy. yeah, that's very cool. Stuff. So thank very you. Very cool. Well, yeah. Congratulations on all that. And uh, yeah. It's fun to hear stories, and we're, we're my my wife and I are not too far out yeah. from the grandchild thing. Well, I look forward to it for could, you. Could be any time, but I don't know that they're working on that. But any time. It so. is the best ever. Yeah. So, well, wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's just jump in. Uh, okay. Chapter six of the book of Revelation, and it is a singular revelation. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not revelations. Not revelations. Right? Yep. Yep. But uh, I'll just turn it over to you, and you can tell us what to what to look at. Yes. Yeah, so, if it's okay, we're going to be talking. Uh, you know fairly extensively about the second coming yeah. and then the millennial reign and what yeah. happens after and maybe just to lay down a couple foundational things that might be helpful to to the listener and, uh, and we can dive into the scripture block shortly after that uh, specifically but you know when uh, when we talk about the the second coming um, it probably is helpful or should be helpful to be understood that we're speaking about several visitations of Christ mm -hmm. over several years, um, that it isn't just a singular one-time one experience, that sure. um, Elder McConkie and President Benson, and I'm sure others have spoken on this, but um, there appears to be uh, initially a private visitation that will be to the prophet then living mm -hmm. on the earth. Mm -hmm. Christ will come with prophet and apostles, those who have key, held keys in ages past. Then at some future point, he will appear at uh, Adam on Diamond yep. in Missouri. Yep. And then at some future point after that, it, uh, at the Battle of Armageddon on the Mount of Olives, uh, which we'll get to uh, in, in some depth, that's probably where we'll spend the most of our time as we Armageddon on. Sure. Um, and then eventually, uh, openly and publicly in the clouds, and, and that is the event I think when most people think of the second coming that they, they have in mind. Yeah. So hopefully, that's yeah, helpful, please. And, and, well, and that's something that we, we, I don't know, even almost flippantly talk about, right? That second, that, that massive second coming where everyone sees him um, as if that's the first coming, yeah. right, at the end. Um, and and mm. I don't know that flippant is the right word, but, but we almost, you know, we, we use that example all the time. Well, what if Jesus came tomorrow? Yeah. Like, we, we walk outside and there yeah. he is in the sky, right? And, and I think, you know, it, it teaches a principle maybe about how we're living our lives and whatever, but... But maybe it's not historically or future historically what's actually going to happen. Um, and I love that. I love that you pointed to, uh, you know, that, that that first visitation will be to the prophet. You know, the prophet will yeah. know. Um, it it 
speaks a little bit about what Joseph said. Uh, there was a period of time early in the church where um, in the early 1940s, um, 1840s, uh, there was a, a false church leader that was claiming that Christ was going to come in the next year or something like that. And, um, and, and that really isn't uh, something, something Joseph took very seriously. Um, and, and he talked about how when the prophet is told something, then it will happen on earth. But until then, he, he references Amos chapter 3, verse 7 um, as, as, a, as a proof that if the prophet doesn't know something, then it just isn't happening. Um, can I just read just Please, quickly yeah. here? Um, it, it, the prophet used Amos 3.7 to refute speculation about the date of the second coming. In the early, in early 1840s, Baptist William Miller stirred considerable national interest with his prediction that the second coming would occur in 1843. When one of Miller's followers claimed to have seen the sign of the Son of Man as predicted in Matthew 24, Joseph replied, he has not seen the sign, I'm quoting here, yeah. the sign of the Son of Man, or foretold by Jesus, neither has any man. For the Lord hath not shown me any such sign, and as the prophet saith, so it must be. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Therefore, hear this, O earth. The Lord will not come to reign over the righteous in this world in 1843, nor until everything for the bridegroom is ready. And then he says, uh, of the Savior's words that no man knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Son of Man, as referenced in Matthew chapter 24. Because there was a point where Christ says, no man knows the day or the coming of the Son of Man. Yeah. The prophet asked, did Christ speak this as a general principle throughout all generations? He says, oh no, he spoke in the present tense. No man that was then living upon the footstool of God knew the day or the hour, but he did not say there was no man throughout all generations that should not know the day or the hour. No, for this would be in flat contradiction with other scripture. For the prophet says that God will do nothing, but he will reveal his secret unto the servants of prophet. Consequently, if it is not made known to the prophets, it will not come to pass. So that's maybe a proof of, from Joseph that the prophet will know first. Yeah. Right? And, and I, you know, I, I think that's helpful in, in a couple senses. One, and, and I think both these are true in that it is true that we should live our lives as if he were to come tomorrow. Yeah, thief in the night. Right? Exactly. Because the, the reality is... <laughs> None of us listening to this yeah. or speaking this have any promise of life other than the breath we are currently breathing, sure, right? and everything after that is a hope, a wish, and a prayer, yeah. right? <laughs> and so whenever we leave this life, for all intents and purposes, that is our second coming, yeah. and so we ought to, to live our lives in a way that we're not worried or concerned, yeah. but we also shouldn't live our lives in an alarmist way, and that's yeah. not the, the language we hear from the brethren. It's, it's hopeful. It's preparing for the future. I hope everyone listening plans and expects to accomplish all of their hopes, goals, and dreams in life. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right? I, I think that's how prophets would invite you to live, too, right? I mean, you listen to President Nelson, and even though he says things like, we're living in the last days of the latter days, or the yeah. latter days of the last days, right? Um, it, it, he would know, yeah. right? If, if anybody's going to know, he would know. But he also says things like the, the greatest miracles are yet to come, right? And yeah. the, the greatest things Christ are going to do are in the future. And so there's hope, I think, there. I have a statement from uh, President Packer, and of course this is a number of years ago, but, but I think the principle still holds true. He, speaking to young adults, basically says that you'll have children, you'll have, and, and that'll serve you right. right? Yeah. You're going to have grandchildren. Serve and, you right. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate that. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I just, uh, anyone out there that, you know, I, I don't think you need to live your life nervous or scared, yeah. and yeah. and well, in fact, that maybe just in that vein. Let's another scripture: First Thessalonians chapter five, four and six say this. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Or in mm -hmm. other words, it should not come as a thief in the yeah. night to you and I. Right? right? It will come as a thief in the night to those who do not know the signs. Yeah. And so by knowing the signs, that's one of the blessings what we're going to talk about is that we're not going to live in a panicked mode. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to live with light, truth, and knowledge, and when things happen, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. That's been prophesied. I'm aware of that. Well, and having faith and confidence in the prophet too, right? That, that when, when he knows whatever he knows, we will be led and directed in the way that will be safest for us, that will be bring us the most joy, that will prepare us the best, you know, that, that I think if we just live close to the prophet and we follow his counsel and direction and trust, right, that, yeah. that he knows a little more than I might know, I think we're good. Can I share a statement in regards to that? And, and, and really, first of all, 
I, I hope that statement right here, everyone else, is there's safety in yeah. following the prophet. Right. And uh, the, the reason I, 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 there, there's, I know individuals who have been led astray as it relates to going to Missouri and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this is just a statement from Bruce R. McConkie in regards to New Jerusalem. And uh, he says, As we are aware, the building of the New Jerusalem lies in the future, at a time yet to be designated by revelation. There is no present call for the saints to purchase land or to live in Jackson County or any place connected therewith. The revealed word relative to the gathering to independence and its environs will come through the prophet of God on earth. When it does come, with the consequent return of the saints to that Zion, which shall not be moved out of its place, that call will not be for the saints in general to assemble there. Sure. The return to Jackson County will be by delegates, as it were, those whose services are needed. There will assemble as appointed. The rest of Israel will remain in their appointed places. The Lord's house is a house of order, and the faithful saints do as they are told and go at the bidding of their prophet, for his voice is the voice of the Lord. Yeah, that's great. So again, I think there's just it's, there's a calming sense. There's, you know, live your life, saints. You know. Yeah, and what a beautiful uh, sentiment, right? That that we would want to be there, that we would want yeah. to be close. I mean, my my wife and I talked pretty regular, and she's just last week she said, can, "Can we just move to Jackson County? Like, can we just go there? It's that's where it's all going to happen anyway." Yeah. And we talked about that quote and some yeah. things there. And, and we know we aren't. We don't necessarily need to be there, but but the the sentiment is: I want to be close when it happens. I want to be part of it. I want to be invited to it. I want to. But ultimately, I think we will all be as involved and invited as the Lord wants us to be, and that will be the right amount for us, yeah. whatever that is, right? And hopefully, I mean, I think it's you know I, I, I've never been to Jerusalem, and, and I, I hope to go someday. But yeah. But it doesn't mean that I can't have my own personal experience with the Savior right here yeah. in my own home and my yeah. life and my family. Yeah, I love that. I love uh, maybe that. just one other just clarification before diving in. I hope this is okay. Yeah, please. But, yeah. We're, um, we're, I, we're talking two weeks worth of stuff. Yeah, so yeah okay, let's, good. Let's get a foundation on it. So I think Mark chapter 13, verse 32, um, if not read with the Joseph Smith translation, can maybe present itself problematically to, to some readers. But, but let me just read it and then uh, maybe... Uh, couple items that might be uh, helpful to clarify. It says, um, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, big S, Son, but the Father. Well, of course, that makes it appear that Christ doesn't doesn't know. know. Now, it may be true that when that was uttered, when he was living in the New Testament time, that, Mm -hmm. uh, that he did not know. That would be akin to when he commanded people in the New Testament to be perfect as his father. He didn't include himself, but of course, when he's resurrected in the New Testament, he includes himself. And once he inherited all, of course, that means all. But but there is also a Joseph Smith translation that actually omits that Mm. phrase, neither the son. So it it, it shouldn't even be in there. Yeah, good. I I think that's helpful. Those those couple of spaces, um, you know, in the scriptures that can be confusing and I think um, cause the, generally the Christian world to kind of sit back and think well nobody knows and yeah. and not not to look to prophets and not to look to others to lead i think those are those are two big verses that have steered man away from christ yeah. looking for christ and, and paying attention to him and if you're looking for that in the joseph Smith translation in if you're listening to this in your uh, in our current set scriptures you're not going to find it in the actual it's part of the yeah, yeah. The, the part that's not in yeah, you have to go, in our Bible. You have to go look at the actual, actual sort, translation. Yeah, yeah so. thank you. Well, let's do this. Let's do jump it. in. And I, now, if, if it's okay, and I don't know where you plan to start in chapter 6, but, but the first, let me say 12, 11 verses um, are, are cool, but you have to do a little bit of digging to kind of figure out what they're about. Yeah. And so uh, if you want to take us through those, that's fine. I've got just quick way to get through them, but it, it's up to you. Why don't you start? Out. I do have some things. Okay. I've got some notes here, but, but okay. maybe you'll cover what I was going to cover. And so, we can... so here's just the thought, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on these as you've studied it, but I see verses 1 and 2. Um, there, we're, we're talking about the, the, the six different seals that will open before... The millennium ring, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. The seventh seal. Brief Reader's Digest version of the history of the world. Yeah, yeah, right. So verses one and two is Adam to Enoch, uh, kind of time frames. And then we get three to four, and we've got Enoch to Moses, kind of time frames. Mm-hmm. And then we get Moses to Abraham in five and six. Yep. And then Abraham to Christ, seven yep. to eight. And then we've got nine through 11. 
And I kind of read this as Christ to about 1,000 A.D., somewhere in that Apostasy period, period of right? time. Yeah, yep. somewhere in there. And then we get to verse 12. So, and I think there's some things to cover in verse 12 when we get there. But, but take, take us back now, and what in those should we also talk about? Anything else that, that you see necessary in there? Yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how helpful this will be, but maybe I'll just, a few things. Uh, you mentioned the, the first two. Um, it says, I saw and beheld a white horse, mm -hmm. and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown and was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Yep. We're, we're probably talking about Enoch there. Yep. Um, of course, Adam, the creation, were, were, were prior to... Right. Uh, the six seal and, and Enoch, of course, was a, considered a conqueror in his yeah, day, and yeah. so, so probably that's, that's where we get Enoch, right? That, yeah, that concept. So that's the first seal. Yep. Good. And then it says, and there went. Um, sorry, let's see, uh, verse three, and he had the second seal, and, and then in verse four, and there went out a horse that was red, yep. and power was given to him that sat therein to take peace from the earth, mm. that they should kill one another, mm. and there was given him a great sword. Uh, Satan and his followers, yeah. right? but I'm yeah. specific and and um, warring and yep, yep. This um, is this is Enoch to Moses kind of time period where yeah. where we've got some pretty horrific things going on. Horrific things to where, of course, eventually the Lord cleanses the the yeah. earth with flood and yeah. and uh, and then uh, let's go down to I guess the the third seal and when uh, verse five and when he had opened the third seal I heard the third beast say. Come and see, and I beheld lo a black horse, mm. and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Uh, what I have read on this uh, seems to indicate this has reference to the black horse of hunger mm. and some of the famines, sure. the starvation that took place to where you know Abraham has to, to leave his, exactly. his homeland. And yep. So yep. good. Um, any, anything else you'd nope, add I think there? You're right. That's what I'd get there. Okay, so. So we got Abraham to Christ, seven to eight, uh, maybe nine. A lot of wars, yeah. a lot of conquering of uh, Jerusalem. You know, you've got let's see the, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, yep. Yep. the Medes, the Persians. Yeah. So, in, in fact, I might I might point you back in the podcast episodes. Um, this is going to talk about the apostasy period. Um, between the end of the, the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, mm -hmm. that 400, 500 year period there. Um, and the end of last year, um, the 2022, uh, we had Neil Knight come in and do a couple of episodes as well about the apostasy, that period of time mm -hmm. in between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and that is really where all those, all that death and war and all those takeovers of, of Jerusalem happened multiple times in that four or 500 year period. So I might point you back to that to study more on that one. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's good. So that gets us to Christ-ish then by the time we get to Yep. Nine. And then, um, and of course, that in verse nine. Fifth uh, seal. Fifth seal. They were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held, mm -hmm. uh, the apostasy and... Um, yeah, the, so the death of so many that Christ who held th yeah that those could follow Christ and be slain for the word of God that they had yeah. a testimony of him right pointing to Christ having been part of the the fifth seal there's a uh, you know I, maybe I'll just uh, share this I, I shared it with my uh, uh, and, and our listeners can look up more of the geography but are you, are you familiar with John Lothrop uh -uh. teach us so he you know he was a reformer but um, just how, how God has scattered people to be part of the gathering. Mm -hmm. um, Nephi is scattered. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith's family, we're all scattered. Mm -hmm. And uh, so John Lothrop lived in the 1600s in England, and he was a follower of another guy by the name of Alexander Latham. And, and you know, he's teaching people about Christ and, and um, gets a little bit of a following. But unfortunately for him, he got a little bit of a following yeah, and, and sure. couldn't keep it secret anymore. And, and Alexander Latham was brought to the public square and tortured mm. and uh, disemboweled, mm. uh, put on the rack and stretched, and wow. then put in his prison cell where he was... He, he died, he passed away just a few days later, but he had to suffer for a few days in his... Yeah, I can't imagine having yeah. all that done and then still be alive. Yeah, so, wow. it, was, it was horrific, but one of his followers was John Lothrop. Uh, John Lothrop <coughs> was moved by this uh, Alexander Latham's 
dedication to the cause of Christ. So he picks up the torch and starts to meet with people. And what, similar, what year is this? Yeah, uh, you'd have to double. Yeah. I have to double. 1640, 1650-ish. Okay. Yeah, so Renaissance. Kind oh yeah, of period. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and uh, th those those years are probably pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so he of course he gets arrested too and has a death sentence. His family had some means, mm. some influence, and he gets a stay of execution. Oh. So instead of being exiled, or instead of being executed, he's exiled to a far-off land called okay. America. Huh? <laughs> Dang it, <Yeah. laughs> the land of promise. Well, guess who comes down through his posterity? <laughs> Joseph Smith and his oh, family, no as well as many, most of the early, huh? Oliver Cowdery, uh, uh, many of the that. who's who of early church, as well as many other famous Americans uh. who come down through John Lothrop. So huh. um, just want to give a nod to those who well, held the torch of Christ. Yeah, and that, that's really cool. And maybe there's something in verse 11, I don't know, that, that nods that a little bit. Uh, white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season mm -hmm. until the fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled, right? Yeah. Maybe there was people put in place that could, you know, establish those lands, those places, and and then there, through their posterity, right, that, yeah. that, that we get the Josephs and the... And the founding fathers of the country and, and well, I think, types of things. Yeah, that's a great insight. One I had not kind of as soon as you read that, of, of course. Yeah. That's, yeah, I love yeah. that. Wonderful. So then we're into twelve. We're in, we're yeah. we're going to start opening the sixth seal here. Um, and I beheld when we had when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there were great earthquakes, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So interesting references. Yeah. And uh, before we hit record, I shared something with you, and and, and again, I I'm uh, I was a little taken aback when this when this was said in 2001. So many of our listeners, <laughs> yeah, you know, knowing that about 90 percent of you are 18 to 30, um, many of our listeners would have been infants if born at all when this was said. And this was President Hinckley, and uh, and I love your your insights into this and your thoughts about this. That, that there's some ongoing stuff here too, but. Uh, President Hinckley in 2001, in a priesthood session, October uh, of 2001, said, The era in which we live is the fullness of time spoken of in the scriptures when God has brought together all the elements of previous dispensations. From the day that he opened his, he and his beloved son manifest themselves to the boy Joseph, there has been a tremendous cascade of enlightenment poured out upon the world. The hearts of men have turned to their fathers in fulfillment of the words of Malachi, and the vision of Joel has been fulfilled wherein he declared. So then I'm just read read that again. Okay. The vision of Joel has been fulfilled. Past tense. Wherein he has declared. Remember this is President uh, Hinckley. And then he reads uh, the, the reference from Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 32. And he reads it in its entirety. And maybe we won't read all of it here. But the first couple of verses say this. Um, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. I mean, if this isn't Joseph and his dad and his grandpa yeah. and all the, you know, that, that, that Joseph is a young man seeing visions and dreaming dreams, and his, and his the old man, the, yeah. the grandfather type, seeing that in his family this, the, 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 you know, some significant events would happen. But then he goes on, he says, um, yeah, let's see, the next verse... And then the third verse down, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Well, that's kind of in, in reference to what uh, you know John in, in Revelation is talking about in verse 12, that we would have great earthquakes and the sun became black and sackcloth and, air and hair and the moon became as blood. That President Hinckley says this has been fulfilled, uh, I think is significant. Even when we read the, uh, the Saints book, the very first version of the Saints book, it opens up, the whole book opens up talking about this great um, calamity and a volcano where the smoke changes yeah. the course of the year uh, and, the, and the growing seasons for Joseph and his family and the, the blackness that the, earth, that, the, that the sky became and you know, all of those kinds of events. And so when was it? Was it that event yeah. or was it this event? I had a student at one point point out that you know, during the wars in the Middle East, uh, it sure looks like a whole lot of pillars of smoke when those oil wells are on fire. And at night when those you see those same oil wells on fire, big black pillars of smoke, and, and the, the moon is a blood red moon in that, in that region. So when those events actually happened in the past, I don't know. President uh, Hinckley suggests that, that, they, that, that maybe at least those, those parts and pieces have already been fulfilled to some yeah. degree. 
So uh, it's just it's just cool. There's yeah. cool stuff in here. Well, and and you know, speaking of of earthquakes. Uh, now, of course, take into account, you know, we're better with technology sure, and, and sure, all this, sure, but, but there has been a, a definitely an escalation in the amount of significant earthquakes that happen every single year. Yeah. In the ballparkish of, you know, and I'm talking about on the Richter scale of like a 6.0 or higher, yeah. of about 200 a year. Yeah. In fact, it's so common, you don't Crazy. hear about it. That's how, yeah. that's how common it is nowadays. Yeah, it, it, so, yeah it's, it's just different. <laughs> yeah, it's just different. But again, it's just, you know, signs of the time. Right. Be aware. And so, yeah. you know, one thing we probably didn't mention, and I'm not sure it's worth mentioning at this point now, but, but maybe, you know, the, what we've been, each of these seals, um, the, the, the figurative imagery is that there's these scrolls that re reference each of these time periods, these histories. They're all rolled up, mm -hmm. and they're sealed yep. with this red clay with the insignia of yep. that person authorized to open the seal. We, we have referenced the, the prophets, and, and of course, that would also have reference to the angels who have yeah. specific um, callings related to these different dispensations. And, and uh, um, so... After this sixth seal, one of the things that's mentioned in verse 14, and we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail later, but, and the heaven departed um, as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, we'll read about this when we get to Revelation 16 a little bit more, and, and uh, there's a great reference in, uh, in uh, Doctrine and Covenants 133, 22-24, but that it appears that the continents are going to start to come back together at some point. Mm -hmm. it, it, from my reading, it appears that it will largely be instigated at the Battle of Armageddon, where yeah. Pangaea starts to, to form again. And, yeah. and uh, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, signs of the times that we uh, will be aware of. Yeah, I love that. I love that, you know, a little bit of a nod and reference back to the Savior's um, fig tree experience. Um, in verse 13, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs mm. when she is shaken of a mighty wind, right? That, that, that the, the fig tree represented um, kind of the, the last tree in the year to, to bloom and to, to blossom. And, and uh, you know, kind of the end, the end of spring was, at, was nigh when you saw the fig tree. And then, and that the Savior held power and control over that fig tree, right? To, yeah. to kill it and bring it back to life, that kind of thing. And maybe as a little bit of a reference to the, the last days, that he's full, going to be fully, fully in control, control. Yeah. aware of all the things. Love it. You know, one thing maybe I'll just mention before we go, go any farther is, and hopefully we can do some justice to this. We'll not be able to do complete justice to sure. it. But, but it is my experience and my belief that the better one understands the events relative to the second coming, the better the scriptures as a whole will make sense to them. Yeah. And so I think there is some real value and utility in uh, your scripture reading experience and, and putting pieces of the puzzle that, you, that they'll fall into the proper context easier mm -hmm. when you understand the events of the second coming. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and maybe this is a good opportunity to, to invite you back into your own scriptures, those that are listening, right? And, and, and we've always talked since the beginning of this podcast, we hope that we are not your come follow me experience every week. Um, that that we're a supplement to your own study. That we that we can add some thoughts and insights, but not by any means the definitive uh, response to what it, what the scriptures say, what they even really mean. That yeah. I think is is something that, that you know we we maybe have a little bit of a credential as institute teachers that have been doing this for a long period of time as a as a career. But it doesn't mean we're right, and yeah. it doesn't mean that, that, that there aren't other things as well That's exactly that, right. that are to be found. I, I think, like when I read verse 14, the heavens departed as a scroll and is rolled together, and every mountain and island removed out of their place. It sounds exactly like what you were just talking about, you know, that the, 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 the continents will move back together and we get, but, but it, could it also be something different? Well, if I live in the Polynesian Islands, maybe I know something completely different yeah. than what Brother Swenson and Brother Devil get sitting in their office in Boise, Idaho. Well, and in fact, I'm, I'm, let, let's just, I think this is really true, is that so many of these verses do have multiple meanings. Yeah. And that is some of the beauty of the ambiguity of the scriptures, mm -hmm. is that not only does it allow for personal interpretation, yeah. but, uh, and, and some of these scriptures has simultaneously referring to things in the past yeah. and things in the future. And so, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would definitely just, if you were listening, please, let me, in fact, let me just share with you my experience. Um, I have written a decent amount on the second coming for largely my own benefit. Um, I did submit a, a paper to seminaries and institutes just part of the project, but literally no one will ever read it. Um, <laughs> I've read it. Yeah, okay. So, so that there's two of us. So, so someone asked me, why don't you put this in a book one time? Well, that's exactly why. <laughs> you and I will have read it, and that'll be it. But, but here, here's where my interest in this came from. And I, I would sit in classes, whether the church or institute or whatever, and I'd ask questions. I'd wonder about things, and I didn't get great answers, yeah. I felt like. And then it dawned on me at one point, like, I'm capable of reading and studying this study to my stuff. This, yeah. And so I began to pray about it, to read it, go to the temple and ponder mm -hmm. and fast for insights. And, and I want to be able to conceptualize it. I want to know it from the scriptures and not yeah. speculative weird stuff yeah, out yeah, there. Good. And so I would just invite other people to have their own experience with this. Right. Whatever we say, yeah. um, go pay the price to own this stuff for yourself yeah. and, and get your own insights and, and that'll bless you more yeah. than anything else we'll share. Yeah, we'll add our add our voices in yeah. as, a, as a resource, but but even you and I, in talking about this last week and kind of prepara preparation for this, uh, you shared some things with me that I spent some time this last weekend watching and reviewing and looking at. And 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 as we started here today, before we hit record, we were talking about that those videos that I was yeah. watching. And, and, you know, as 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 much as there's good there, there's also things when I watch somebody else try to teach about those things that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. exactly it. And we hope that someone out there is listening to Brother Diebel and I saying, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love that because it invites, it, it's curiosity. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go study. I'm going to find out for myself. And, and so, um, yeah, and I think we ought to be grateful for anyone who's doing their best to for share sure. light knowledge. Right. And, and so hopefully, and, and, yeah. And I think the Spirit confirms some things. I don't know that the Spirit confirms all the things because yeah. it, isn't, it isn't my stewardship to know all the things, really. But can the Spirit teach me some things and, and confirm some things? I think so as we go, yeah. as we do our own studies and, and listen to others that are helping help teach us. So, so I love that. And I think uh, ultimately, and maybe there's more in, in Chapter 6 that you want to cover, uh, but... Not really. There... Verse fifteen. Well, we're going to yeah. cover that as we get yeah. into. Uh, it's a, it's yeah. the it's the kings and the and the great men of the earth saying, "Whoa, yeah. whoa, we're not we're nothing here." And 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 then maybe oh, just the oh. end for verse seventeen. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Yeah. Right, like <laughs> it's going to be Christ in charge, and we're all paying attention and going well, where we can. Every knee will bow, yeah. and every tongue will confess. Yeah, the. Only variable is, will you have done it willingly and voluntarily all the time, day long, yeah. or will you do it because it's no longer possible to stand, right? Yeah, that's, right. that's the question mark. Yeah. Um, one other thing I just, I think would be helpful, if, if, please, if you're reading these, uh, Do Doctrine and Covenants, section 77, Joseph Smith is asking questions. So that, by the way, straight out of here, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he's got the same questions you and I, listener, have, and and then the Lord gives him. So it is the the cheat sheet. Yeah. So that you may prove that may prove helpful to yeah. you. Yeah, that's good. In fact, directly, um, chapter seven, verse four is directly in seventy-seven, nine through eleven. It, it's literally. 144,000, yeah. Joseph's like, what does that mean? <laughs> right? And the answer is exactly. right there in Doctrine and Covenants. Right there. Yeah. Yep. Which is, these are the 12 high priests from the 12 tribes of Israel who are going to um, have some responsibilities in the gathering of, yeah. of Israel in the last days. Yep. And so, yeah. Help, priesthood, some, some form of priesthood responsibility. Exactly. Helpers. It's not all the only people being saved. It's, it's those that are assigned some responsibility to go out and, exactly and right. perform some work. Good. Okay, take us in seven. What else? What else is in seven we need to look at? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, honestly, I would just skip right to sixteen and seventeen okay. for the time we have, if that's okay. And then yep. if there's more you want to cover in okay. that, but again, just reference to, to section seventy-seven. I think uh, the reader will be benefited greatly. It says uh, or the listener um, in verse sixteen: They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water, mm. and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Mm. That there will come a day in the future day when there, uh, the spiritual famine shall cease. Again, I think it's one of those scriptures that has reference to two things simultaneously. One, the restoration of the gospel, yeah. but also the, the millennial day yeah. at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. That this is really honestly speak. Yeah, whether it's whether it's through the gospel and the comforts of the gospel that that heal, um, wiping away tears from their eyes, but but also Christ for sure, right? Yeah. That Christ will do the same things. You know, as we we look at the beginnings of this chapter. Um, obviously, this is speaking of the restoration from our faith. We would we would read it that way, right? That the the church has been restored. The 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 that there are are um, truths restored to the earth. Um, but but there's also maybe hidden in here just a little thing that I think is kind of interesting. And, and maybe you and I visited about it a while back. It says verse two, and, and again I think this ties to the end so cleanly. I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Yeah. And, you know, this, <laughs> it sounds funny, and, and we yeah. maybe have already talked about it a little bit, just the, the calamities that come on earth. Um, you know, in, in the late uh, 1800s, uh, these, these angels, these four hurting angels, uh, you know, I think we, we hear about them in, in the vernacular of, of church as the destroying angels. And uh, Joseph Fielding Smith uh, said quite a bit about these four angels. Uh, he said at one point, he said, these are now at work in the earth on their sacred mission. Uh, on several occasions, President Wilford Woodruff spoke at, to large audiences about those, those same four angels. In, in one particular, he says this, June 24, 1894, President Wilford Woodruff said to a group of temple workers in the tabernacle that, quote, those angels have left the portals of heaven and they stand over this people and this nation now and are hovering over the earth waiting to pour out the judgments. And from this day, so that's June 24, 1894, from this day they shall be poured out. Calamities and troubles are increasing in the earth, and there is a meaning to these things. Remember this and reflect upon these matters. If you do your duty and I do my duty, we'll have protection and shall pass through the afflictions in peace and safety. Read the scriptures and the revelations. It's by the power of the gospel that we shall escape. Less than a month later, President Wilford Woodruff said this, uh, these angels that have been held for many years in the temple of God have got their liberty to go out and commence their mission and the work, their work on the earth. And they are here today on the earth. I feel bold in saying this to the Latter-day Saints. There is meaning in these judgments. So, so this, similar to what you know, President Hinckley said earlier, th these destroying angels have been loosed. And we see that in, in wars and in rumors of wars. With, within, what, 20 years we had World War I. Within 20 more years we have World War II. Two. Massive conflicts on earth the world's yeah. ever seen, right? In relation to to that, I, I, I wish I would have mentioned this earlier, but maybe this is better that, that we talk about it now. One of the insights I gained from when I started to study the uh, the second coming were a couple phrases in Ezekiel 38. And Ezekiel 38, 39, yeah. some great uh, scriptures on, in understanding the Battle of Armageddon mm -hmm. um, and the aftermath. But I, I want the leader, the reader to, or the, sorry, I keep saying the reader, the listener to, <laughs> to hear... The motive. People talk sometimes about the, the harsh God of the Old Testament. Sure. Or they speak about, you know, the the destruction and the warfare and the mm -hmm. death and plagues at the last days and why. Yeah. Well, listen to this language and speak. In this case, we're speaking about the Battle of Armageddon in section thirty-eight. So that's the setting. And he says, "And I will plead against him with pestilence." That word, plead. Hmm. Now let me just read this. And I'll come back. I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood and will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon his many people that are with him and overflowing rain and great hailstorms, fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am the Lord. This is a loving God who has tried every loving, kind, merciful way to cause people to return to Him, to come unto Him, to repent. But their hearts are so hardened. This is Him pleading, please, you won't listen to loving kindness, maybe, if you're compelled to be humble. Or another way to say it is, there isn't anything other than this that might open up the eyes yeah. of people because their hearts are so hardened. Yeah, the, the purpose, always the purpose of God is to help us, to help us come back, to help us be yes. humble, to help us find and become more like Him. Always that's the, 
the way it, it reminds me of in the Book of Mormon when uh, Nephi and his brothers are separating uh, in Second in Second Nephi. Um, we get this this moment where um, the Lord says, "Why? What, you know, why is why is what well, the Nephites are going to become a scourge to you?" So that you'll remember me, right? That that so that is so important, and it's always so that we can come back, so that we could be more of His children will be saved. Not as a maybe there's some punishment component in there, but but ultimately His His grand objective is to the immortality, right? Our yeah. eternal life. That's it ultimately. So love it, love it. Okay. Okay, so does that get us through chapter seven generally? Or I, I think so, and and maybe honestly. Uh, uh, yeah. Time-wise, and that yeah, I, I think there are now. some chapters uh, that are probably um, yeah. of more interest, maybe to yeah. our, some of our, our listeners. Yeah, I don't sure. Keep keep moving. Is that okay? Where, where do you want to go? Um, why don't we uh, let's? If it's okay, I, I'd like to maybe jump ahead to eleven. We'll come back to nine sure. um, at a, at another time if that's okay. Because I think we can talk about sixteen and nine yeah. uh, at the same time, Good. but. So chapter eight, we've got John's just seeing fire and desolation poured out. The Doctrine and Covenant seventy-seven thirteen talks directly about that. It's during, it's after the seventh seal is opened, but before Christ comes again. So we can, we'll generally skip that. We'll move move past nine because of we're going to cover it when we cover sixteen. Yep, that'd be great. Um, I, I think again ten. John seals up many things relative to last days. So yeah, we're we're, we're kind of we're kind of moving. Is that, is that good enough yep, to think? Good, okay. For now. We'll, we'll, we'll come Certainly back we're not doing maybe. justice to it, yeah. but, but hopefully it it's, makes sense. So, yeah. so get chapter 11. Yeah. Maybe as highly talked about, speculated about chapter uh, sure. in terms of second coming as any, and, and we're at the Battle of Armageddon. Yep. That um, it appears that at some point, uh, let, well, maybe just read verse 1 and 2 if that's okay. Sure. And in fact, we'll read a lot of these verses. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to jump also back to maybe uh, Zechariah as we get in here. I think there's some value in reading both uh, both texts. But verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, mm -hmm. and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be tread underfoot forty and two months. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. So first of all, at some future point, there will be a temple in Jerusalem mm -hmm. uh, that the this Gentile army, this army of Armageddon, also called the, uh, the army of Gog and Magog. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, the reason why it's referred to that in Ezekiel is uh, Noah had some sons, of course. His eldest son was Japheth. Japheth had three sons, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. Mm -hmm. And as the waters dispersed and these people settled, they had lands named after them. Anciently, there was a, a land called Magog. There was a king uh, of, of Magog named Gog. And so Magog is symbolic of collectively these nations that will come against Jerusalem. Gog is symbolic of the leaders. Mm. But apparently this army is going to be overrunning the city of Jerusalem for about three and a half years. Yeah. At least three and a half years. Yeah. And uh, and they're told not to go outside the city pro or the, the temple proper because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, in that that valley, right? The the, the the valley when that when the armies of the earth gather up in that valley, I think it's a pretty good sign things are coming to a, a pretty rapid end there, right? Well, can we jump back to uh, sure. chapter nine now? Yeah. And and really, I mean, the the best way to read about these is to jump back and forth and. And that's really the only way to, to get it um, to contextually. Contextually, yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you. Uh, so in Ezekiel 38, um, Ezekiel describes this army as a storm cloud to cover the land. Sure, yeah. He gets kind of a visual. But John, in chapter 9, he gives an actual number. In mm -hmm. chapter 9, verse 16, he says, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. Oh, that's and a lot. I heard <laughs> the number of them. 200 million, right? Wow. wow. And now I don't know that that means or I would I would suggest that it does not mean that they will all be sure. right there. Sure. But this is the epicenter of this this great war and the area that we're talking about uh North of Jerusalem. About 60 miles north, yep. there's a hill, Har, 
listen, listen carefully, Har Megadon. Yep. Say it fast, Armageddon, right? Yeah. This is the hill Megadon yep. or the Valley of Megadon. It's also called the Jezreel Valley, the Valley of Esdralon. It's a rich, fertile agricultural land. It's about 15 miles wide at its widest breadth. There's some really, actually some pretty, pretty beautiful pictures of Beautiful it. pictures in your, go look at your yeah. Bible uh, cool. pictures, yeah. Pretty cool space. And of course, this is why, that's yeah. where the army will be there. They're living off the spoils of war and, sure. and they're encamped there and the, the Israelites, the, the Jews will be cut off from those resources mm -hmm. for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Now, at the end of this, turnabout will be fair play and they'll <laughs> live off the spoils of war. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the setting. You've got this massive army that has overrun the, the city. Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Yeah. Okay. And what I hope the reader will see as we talk about these next verses, there's these two witnesses that we're going to read about. Mm -hmm. And what I'd just invite you to think about is how they are such a precise type of Christ. Yeah. And it says, uh, I will give power unto my two witnesses. Mm -hmm. Well, what verse do we three. call prophets, seers, and revelators? Special witnesses yeah. of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 3. Yeah, verse three. And, they shall and they shall prophesy a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Well, how long is that? Forty-two months. It's about three and a half, three and years. And a half years. Yeah. Same do we know anyone else that prophesied in Jerusalem for about three, three and a half really years? Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Savior, maybe. Right? And they are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God on the earth. So mm. these are humble servants of the Lord mm. who even amongst this horrific warfare have a message of peace, that they are light unto the world, and, and it appears that they will not be unknown, that they yeah. will be definitely known by, by this army. Yeah. For it says in verse 5, And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth forth out of their mouth. Sorry, guys, they are not dragons. They <laughs> hold the priesthood. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. Don't get me yeah, wrong. that would be. <laughs> and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Um, and these will have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite them, uh, smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Let's just stop there before we get to seven. Sure, sure. Does that remind, do, do they, does it remind the reader, the listener of anyone else in the scriptures, any other prophets? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think there's a lot of prophets that it, I think it, so. it point you to, right? Moses. Yeah. Um, Abinadi, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Uh, but, but they have power over the elements. They, have, they hold the priesthood. And think of it, was it Elisha that called down the fire on the... On great the, example. You know, yeah, great example. That's great. So well, and, and maybe just you know one of the videos that you had me watch in preparation for this, it, it, really cool. And again, it's it's one of those um, speculative things, maybe a little bit, but but some of the things that the the author of that video was suggesting was you know we we learned in some other scriptures that these two uh, powerful people, yeah. prophets, uh, one will be from the north, one will be from the south, and and uh, without the ability to kill them, right? I mean, you just yeah. can't kill them, and. He referenced um, that, that maybe this is Elijah from the north, who was a prophet of the north, and, and that maybe this was a John the Revelator from the south, yeah. both of which were, were taken from the earth without having to taste death or still on the earth without having to taste death um, and, and maybe called back to their, to their holy city to, yeah. to do some final wrapping Probably. up work. I think you and I maybe have, have always just thought, man, I wonder if... You know, Elder Holland gets the phone call yeah. to go live in Jerusalem for three and a half years, and, and maybe that's true. And that yeah. has happened in the past. Yeah. Elder, in fact, Elder Holland and uh, yeah. President Oaks have gone on, right. you know, in Chile and in the Philippines exactly. to live for three years. But, but, but it would be. I, I think it's. I think it's interesting that that I think so often we think it's going to be people I know in yeah. in in a way I can fathom it and, and put it together and process it. And I, I think that that at least in that video and some other things yeah. that, that we've read and maybe just the way that we understand the way the Lord works is that sometimes it will be done in ways that we don't fully understand, right? It, one of the things we, we kind of skipped over quickly, and it's, it's okay to do, is just the building of Jerusalem in, in the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. Like, that's like not a small thing. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, on again, honestly, I just, I should have, that should be a light bulb moment for yeah. every member of the church, right? Right, like, yeah. holy cow, that's a massive thing. And, and, and I have, for a lot of years, thought, you know, would, wouldn't it be great when, you know, President Nelson gets up and yeah. says, hey, we're going to build a temple in Jerusalem, but can you imagine the, the religious furor that would happen if a Christian church came in and built a temple anywhere near? And there's speculation that the BYU Jerusalem Center could be turned into a temple and, you know, all those things. But the, but the more I think about it and, and the more I study it, the more I just feel like, 
you know, God will go back to his people. God yeah. will go back to the Jews and say, hey, we, we want you to, to have your, your house again. And, and we know that there are Christian Jews in, in, in a lot of realms. We also know that there's a group of, of very faithful Jewish people in, right in, in and around Jerusalem who uh, have found using LIDAR some, some different mm -hmm. t temple mount structures that are on land that they own. And, and uh, you know, when you study the history of that place, there's so much between the Islamic world and the Christian world about that hill where the, where the yeah. temple is that the reality is anybody building a temple there, other than the Dome of the Rock, which yeah. was built, you know, 600 years ago, it, you know, it, it's going to cause issues. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't see anybody but the Jews maybe being able to pull that off. Yeah. And, and is that okay? Do I, does it have to be the, the re restored church at first that creates that church, that temple? For sure, eventually. Eventually, it yeah. Will I think a, you're right. I think, yeah. But, let, let me but, say, man. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I think that's, that's a safe place to land, sure. by the way, right? Because yeah. I don't know that we can say definitively, but, but that is a safe place to land. And certainly it could be done that way. Yeah. And that could have, and then it'll eventually be a house where the ordinances authorized will be ordinances are performed. But I think about but, I think about those Jewish, those faithful Jewish people in Jerusalem right now who have who are are waiting the day of the temple to be rebuilt so much so that they've started to raise uh, livestock to be pure and perfect that yeah. they've got artisans who are creating the the elements of the temple and and practicing doing that so that when they build their temple they can do it quickly and they can bring those elements together very quickly. I think about and, and again I, we have no idea, but I think about how. How powerful would it be for the Jewish people to have their temple, to be offering their sacrifices? It reminds me of section 13 of the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. that uh, the, the sons of Levi will, will offer, offer again, again an offering, right? Yeah. President Hinckley has talked about how we don't understand why, but there will be blood sacrifice again in the last days for some period of time, and then it will be fulfilled, right? And and, and I don't know, I, I just think it... If the Jewish people were allowed to construct their temple, to allow, to go them, to have them go back in, to uh, participate in their ordinances again, even though it's not done with the priesthood, it's not done in the right way, when Christ comes back and can go and show them and say, look yeah. at what you're doing. Let me show you the wounds in my hands and in my side and in my feet. Let me tell you about my life, the unbroken body, even in death, the unbroken body, right? All the things that they, they point to and say, the Savior will, all these things. Man, what, what a powerful moment, right? That, but 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 then again, I think it's super important, like you said, that that we land on ultimately that temple will be made a house of ordinances, house of or yep. right, for the eternal purposes of the temple, for its actual purpose. But but does it need to start that way? I don't know. Does the church need to build that temple? I don't know. Well, the path of least resistance yeah. would suggest probably not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of cool. And, yeah. And you know, and as we study this, and maybe we'll get into a little little more as we go here, but. But there's a point where Christ comes to save the people from this battle yeah. that's going on, right? After these two witnesses have been killed and lay in the street for three and a half days. Uh, that that uh, Christ puts his foot down on the temple and there's a great earthquake. And from that great earthquake, the um, altars of the temple split open and the waters come rushing forth. And those waters go down and they heal the, um, the uh, Dead Sea and... And, and then the temple would need to be rebuilt, right? I mean, yeah. this is maybe a fourth rebuilding could, of the temple, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely could be, yeah. And, and maybe that, at that time, Christ is like, hey, let me show you what you did in the temple. Now let's get the, the proper authority in here to rebuild the temple. Again, this is all conjecture, yeah. but, but I don't know that it's out there. I don't know that it's, it's so far removed from what might happen that I think we can start looking at it and go, oh, I can see how Christ will use those that came first and those that came last, and he'll put them together and have them work together. That's that beautiful, yeah. I think. Right? Well, I think it's definitely w worthy to ponder these things, and yeah. I think it opens up uh, our mind and our heart to further revelations. Exactly. Light and knowledge leads to more light and knowledge. Exactly. And if we close ourselves off to yeah. 
think that, that I think or we we assume and I've made this we've all made the mistake where you, you oh I understand that yeah no <laughs> like yeah like we said before yeah. this is brother Swenson and brother Diebel saying what if what if this yeah. and how I read it like this and maybe these things we understand X Y and Z but that take it revelation but but man that but that you would look at it you're on your own and say what do I see when I read that yeah. and you know for my studies that's kind of how I'm seeing it right now but maybe I see it different ten years from now no but that, I, I just think that is a great healthy practice to invite revelation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the best form of, of pondering and questioning and, and wondering. Yeah. Um, that's how Joseph Smith got, the, got, got his revelation. That's how we all do So yeah. please do so. Yeah. Well, I love it. We're, we're getting short on time. I know you've got to run and teach a class. We've got, we've got maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe? Yeah. Can we, can we, can we Let's do, just, do some things in 10 minutes to get well, us closer to the end? Yeah, and Again, th we're going to do another week next week, so and we may, a little, yeah. little backed up. We're, that's okay. Well, I, you know, I, I just want to share a uh, possible insight to verse 7. Okay. It says, uh, well, we, we can go a little farther than that, but, and when they shall have finished, speaking of these two, yep, and when they shall have finished their testimony, but not until they have finished their testimony. Mm -hmm. And I just like people to consider this. Think about a Benedi. Hey, Noah, I haven't delivered on my med. You can't touch me. Don't touch me. Yeah. You know, MC Hammer, that's where he got that yeah. from. You can't touch us. Um, Joseph Smith, right? Your, your days yeah. are known, your years shall not be numbered less. And Fiends of the eternal pit. Right. Right. Stand back, and they did until he was done. That they were going to live to accomplish all that God had for them to do. Maybe think about Doctrine and Covenants uh, 42 or 45, where uh, he, it says that. Um, the prayer of the faithful shall save the sick unless appointed unto death. Mm. But I think one of the principles that this is alluding to, or one of the promises, is that if you and I are keeping our covenants, and if God has a work for us to do, then we'll live to do that. Yeah. Now there may come a time, like Joseph Smith or like others, where we have done all that God has for us to do, and the term that Joseph Smith uses, now I'm as liable to die as anyone. Yeah. It doesn't mean he still wasn't being guided and, and for that spirit and, and blessed, but, but I think that's a profound promise that if God has a work for me to do, I'm, I'm going to live to do it. Hmm. And, and nothing can stop that. Hmm. Um, I don't believe that promise is just for these select few. I think it's a promise God makes to all who make and keep covenants with Him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's important that, that they're going uh, they're, they're to have their time. Yeah. To do the work until the work's done. Yep. And then at the end of verse 7 is where they are overcome and they're killed um, by the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against him and shall overcome them and kill him. Their body shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So it's Jerusalem. And they of the people in kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. I think about John writing this, John the Beloved, right? <laughs> that he's seeing everybody on earth seeing their bodies for three and a half days, yeah. right? That, that, that how, <laughs> how, how would, yeah. like John, he's like, okay, how, how on earth is everybody going to see that? But somehow it will happen. And today with modern technology, we, we know how that will happen. Yeah. It will be very easy for us to see yeah. them lay in the streets for three and a half days. It's also a nod to the fact that they, well, first of all, how long are they going to be dead before they're raised up again? Yeah. You know, similar length to, to Christ, the Savior. Yeah. But it's also uh, evidence that this army knows who these two were. Because yeah. they're celebrating, they're rejoicing. Well, so much so. Like, and they, they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Yeah. Like, holy cow. Kind of horrible people. <laughs> no kidding. Right? Yeah. But again, this is why they're, they're so so hardened in hearts. Like, what what other option does God have to try and call someone like that to repentance than yeah. hard life experiences like these? But yeah, and then verse eleven, the, the spirit of the Lord comes, allows their spirits to come back to them, and the people who stand back up, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Uh, just just going to be cool to see all this. I wonder if, and maybe this is where we pick up is John here is silent somewhat in what happens during that three, three and a half days. Yeah. Zedekiah fills in, or Zechariah, excuse me, Zechariah fills in the blank of what happened. What happens there is of the most profound nature. This is when the Jewish nation mm. will, will 
have their conversion. Wait, wait, they're going to see Christ descend on the Mount of Olives, and they're going to witness his. Yeah. And maybe that's a good place to. Yeah, it is. It is really good, and, and it kind of ties into what we just talked about. So I think it's a great place to stop because they will, these, two, these two prophets will ascend up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And then there's this gap, that gap, that three-and-a-half-day yeah. gap. The, earth, the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted, gave glory to the God of heaven. That's that moment when the Savior's foot touches down on the, on the temple and it crushes, breaks the, the altars open, and the water comes rushing out, and the army starts getting afraid. And, yeah. Right? So that's all in the future. That's all coming. It's coming, yeah. But, uh, but, but maybe that t puts a nice bow on the conversation about the temple. And that, uh, you know, this is where, where Christ comes to start solving the problems. Yeah, he's going to take right. over. And, uh, so. Today's episode is all the problems, and, and we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll stop a little earlier than the Come Follow Me block, but uh, the next couple chapters and then the, 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 to the end of the, the book here, we'll talk about what happens after. Okay, sounds great. Brother Debo, this has been great. I'm looking forward to meeting again with you. And, and we're, just so you know, we're, we're doing this the 1st of November, so we've got some time between now and okay. when this all gets put together, and I'm excited to, to meet with you again. So. We'll have you back soon. All right, look forward to it. Thanks, my friend. Thanks.